The Women in Trade podcast, a force of women coming together, building, bricklaying, cooking, mending, sewing, teaching, problem solving, painting, decorating, designing, plumbing, and coding. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Women in Trade podcast. I'm your host, Janet Curlew, founder of Women in Trade magazine, the UK's only publication focusing on women's trades. This podcast highlights all the amazing women who are in a trade from painters to carpenters, fashion designers, engineers, foodies and business service providers. It's a force of women coming together, building, plumbing, bricklaying, painting, cooking, mending, sewing, welding, engineering, problem solving and coding. Good afternoon, or should I say good day, Australia, and good morning to all our UK listeners. Today, I'm speaking to Talia Marie, a painter and artist who also was our 2020 campaign girl, and we featured her in our, uh, in our winter-spring 2019 issue. Thanks for joining me today, Talia. Good day to you. G'day, Janet. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I, I was just looking at your, um, I, I must say, I am a fan of your Instagram page. It's, it's so inspirational. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I was just looking at your um, page this morning um, and a few months ago you posted this absolutely stunning, beautiful tribal coat and hat. And I love your quote, Saturday. Oh, I get, I I get so many comments on that quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I love your quote, which says, Saturday, coffee, sunshine and nature. I'm in total bliss. Then you go on to say, I escape somewhere. I don't need to wear a bloody mask. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's a little, that's me. That's me. I'm a little bit classy and a little bit Aussie tradie girl. <laughs> I just love that. It was so beautiful. <laughs> How's things down under? Um, at the moment, very, very touch and go. Um, COVID, obviously, I think you were in Australia when, when COVID first started actually becoming pretty rampant here. I remember that you were in Melbourne. Yes, I was um, in Melbourne and it was just when it was just when it was starting to make headline news and the Victorian the Victoria government um um just just as I stepped back in London, they just put a ban on people leaving and coming in. I mean it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been a bad thing if I got stuck in Melbourne. I would have just went to Sandringham Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and stay there. <laughs> That's that's when COVID first really started, and and to be honest, I um I had my thirtieth birthday in January twenty twenty, and when I first started hearing about COVID and what was happening overseas, and I thought, you know, we've got nothing to worry about here. It's never going to get quite as bad here in our country. Um, we always handle things very well like that. Um, but at the moment, it's not great. We're um. I live in a, a town called Orange. It's about three hours west of Sydney, New South Wales. 
Um, and at the moment, we're currently in stay-at-home orders and lockdowns. So we're only allowed out for uh, essential reasons like supermarkets, shopping, uh, food shopping, chemists, um, and to work. So it's pretty hard at the moment, to be honest, Janet, because it, I get up in the morning and I go to work and I finish work and I come home and that's my day. You can't really go anywhere else or do anything. Actually, tonight, it's Saturday uh, today and tonight I've got a Zoom meeting set up with my girlfriends to have a wine so we can have a <laughs> chat and a talk because I haven't seen my friends in months. Um, so it's pretty much I see my work friends uh, and my boss through the day and then when I get home it's me and my daughter and that's it. It's pretty bad here at the moment. Hopefully um, hopefully it starts to settle down a little bit. I hear that the vaccination rate's getting better and better by the day so hopefully soon we can get some freedom. How does that affect you psychologically? I, I, you know, I didn't know. I, I, I mean, um, I, I, I sort of keep tabs on on the news all, all all around, but, but, but as I've, but as my heart is still in Australia, I still sort of listen to the Australian <laughs> news. <laughs> my heart's yeah. still there. Um, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know it was so bad, Talia. I mean, yeah, I've got, um, as you know, I've got a lot of, uh, I've got a lot of followers on my Instagram from all over the world, the UK, America, Canada, New Zealand, and um, I'm constantly getting messages and DMs on Instagram asking if what they're seeing on the news is true. Um, we've got news reports in the UK and the US at the moment saying that the army is keeping us at home. Um, they've got police and army. It is true. Is that... What? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. we're, in full, we're in full stay-at-home lockdown orders at the moment. Um, until oh my we get goodness. until we get, I think they said about seventy or eighty percent vaccination rate. Until we get there, we're under lockdown. You see, uh, here it's it's different. Here it, it it's kind of um strange. It's an odd feeling because it feels like it feels like things are really bad happening in the background but when there's no there's no more news reporting going on so it makes you it's making us feel that everything's okay don't wear a mask da, 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 yeah. you know but i still wear yeah. my mask i'm still pretty much like you know vigilant and aware aware of uh you know how close i'm standing next to somebody and, and things like that but um to hear your story I, i'm really sorry to hear that i i really did not know whether the news reports were true about the army and things like that in all honesty i live in new south wales so um you were in melbourne which is victoria so i'm in the state above victoria um and if i have to be honest new south wales hasn't had it near as bad as as my friends and family that i have in victoria they've they've been in lockdown for well over 18 months yeah, um, of stay at home ever since March 2020. So mm. it's been it's been really rough for my friends in Victoria, but we're in New South Wales starting to really feel the brunt of it here. We, we've been in lockdown, I think, since July 2021. Okay, so we've had um, and things, but yeah, stay at home orders uh, for so a few you, weeks, a couple of months. Are you um Are you going to have the vaccine? Have you had your jabs or are you anti-vax? No. Um, I'm not anti-vax and I'm not pro-vax. Um, I, I honestly, and this is my personal opinion, I'm pro-choice. Um, I'm not going to think any differently of anybody about their choices in what they want to do. Um, but I am going to get the vaccine because I have very close family um, and very close friends who do have underlying health conditions who I wouldn't want 
to contribute to make that worse. Um, so I am going to get the vaccine. I haven't had one yet. Um, I've still been at work, so uh, I haven't really had the time to go and get it. But I am booked in tomorrow to get my first Pfizer vaccination. So okay. tomorrow being which is which is exciting. At least I can contribute to that vaccine percentage rate. <laughs> <laughs> and how's your daughter? How old is your daughter now? Um, she's seven. She's just turned seven in May this year. Oh, how cute. <laughs> how lovely. I'm, blessed. I'm blessed. Yes, I can see that from your, your the pictures on your Instagram. <laughs> well, I hope things um well, I hope the I hope things get better for you guys over there. Um yeah, you. you know, yeah, I really I really do. And I really do wish everybody all the best in, in Australia. I really do. My heart really goes out to you guys. Um and but just just sort of um sort of going back to what I said about um that beautiful tribal coat and hat. Who is the designer by the way? Because I really like it. That's actually uh, a label called Ganda Clothing, so G-H-A-N-D-A, um, and they're an Australian label. They've started in, uh, don't quote me, but I think it's Ballarat in Victoria. They started out as just a little shop and they've expanded right across the country. Um, not sure if they're international or not yet, but they're definitely national here. And um, it's one of my favourite labels. Pretty much everything I wear is Ganda. I really support <laughs> them. I love, I love this. I love their style. I'm, I'm very. I describe myself as very uh, hippie, boho, sort of um, a little bit eclectic. So anything that's a bit different or a bit vintage, um, I'm all over it. So that jacket just screamed <laughs> '80s to me, '70s, '80s, and I just had to buy it. <laughs> it really suits you. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. So, um, as a woman of many talents, <laughs> uh, can you tell us when you first felt this need to express yourself through painting and decorating? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very interesting story, actually. When I was young, um, I was about seven years old. Uh, I lived in Broken Hill, an outback town in the centre of Australia, pretty much. It's on the um, it's on the border of New South Wales and South Australia. Um, not sure if you're familiar with the Mad Max films from Australia. I Janet. am. Yes, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yes, love Mad- Mel. Love, love Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max was filmed in Broken Hill, so right. that was where I was. That was where I was born and where I grew where, up until was, I was about seven. Where was? Um, I know. Sorry to cut you off there, but Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. I love Crocodile Dundee. Where was that filmed? <laughs> Um, it depends which one. I'm pretty sure one of them was filmed in New York, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, part of it was, yes. That's yeah, sorry. Question, actually, I think Crocodile Dundee is a little bit before my time, so I can't, okay. I can't, do, um, can't I'm do showing my age. Of, I'm showing my age <laughs> now. Okay. On that one. Okay, I'm <laughs> showing my age now. Let's move along swiftly. <laughs> I'll, I'll be gentle. I'll be gentle. Um, but probably most likely it was probably filmed in Sydney. Um, but yeah, the Mad Max films were, uh, filmed out in Broken Hill and that was where I was born pretty much in Outback Australia. Um, a lot of red dirt, not a lot to do, not, not much. (laughs) Um, and my, it was 1997 and my mum and my father, um, separated and they were getting a divorce and we actually moved to a small, my mum didn't want to be in Broken Hill anymore. There was a lot going on behind her divorce and she just wanted to move away a little bit, not, not too far where we couldn't, 
um, still see my father and things like that, but far enough away where she wasn't involved in everything that was going on. Um, so we moved to a small um, Aboriginal community just outside of Broken Hill called Wilcannia. Um, it's fully Aboriginal community. I'm, I'm talking about 97% is Indigenous. Um, and when I was, I think I was in year two, no, sorry. Yeah, I was in year two or three at the time. I was only eight years old. Um, and my mum enrolled me at school in Wilcannia and I was the only white child at the school. Um, a lot of my friends sorry, were sorry, Aboriginal. Sorry, did, did you say white child? Yeah, I was the only white child at my school. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, because it was, a, like I said, 97% Aboriginal community. Um, and so I went to school with predominantly Aboriginals and the my teachers and um, and everything, that, the staff that were at the school, they were all Aboriginal as well. And I was having a really hard time. I, I, was, seven, I was eight years old and I wasn't really understanding what was going on with my mum and dad and I was feeling a bit lonely and out of sorts, didn't really know what was going on. And I think my teachers picked up on that. Um, and they started teaching me how to actually, they, they saw that I was creative. So I was always drawing or writing uh, or painting. And um, they saw that in me, they saw that creative side. And so they took me aside um, a couple of afternoons. They had a place called a drop-in centre where the Aboriginal kids would go to paint or play games just to keep them occupied. Um, and the Aboriginal elders that were teaching me at school started teaching me how to make paint, to make paint from scratch. Wow, make paint. How lovely. Yeah, so with, uh, with dirt and with rust and with ochre and um, from leaves and rocks and things like that, the way that they used to do it um, mm. bef bef before paint started being a thing. Um, so they taught me how to make paint from scratch and they actually started teaching me how to do Aboriginal paintings. Are you familiar with Aboriginal paintings from Australia? I am. I love them. Absolutely love yeah. them. Yeah, they're gorgeous. And they're what the Aboriginals describe as uh, symbolistic. So they do, they use uh, patterns and symbols to create stories in their paintings. Um, and they started teaching me a lot of that. So they were teaching me how to make paint. So I learned actually how to make paint from the earth and from nature. And then I learned how to make stories with it. And I just fell in love with paint. I was eight years old. And that's, if I can think of a point where, yeah, I decided that I want to paint any way I can, whether I was whether I was going to be an artist or whether I was just using paint in my job, I just fell in love with paint. And that's the, that's the time in my life where I can pinpoint first loving it. Um, that's that's so such we, a lovely story. Yeah. So we ended up moving away from Wilcannia. So I moved to Orange where I'm currently am now. Um, and I just kept painting. When I was in high school, I was never – the smart kid. I couldn't use computers. Um, I was brilliant. I was a brilliant writer. I could write. And I think that comes through a lot in my Instagram when I do my motivational and inspirational posts. Um, I just, I get on a, I get on, I get, my mind goes on a track and I just write. Um, so I was always creative like that. I was always a writer. I was always drawing or cooking or creating something. So I've always had that creative 
um, nature. When I was in year 11 and 12 at school, I remember that's um, when we're doing our HSC at school, which is called the Higher School Certificate. It's the certificate we get before we graduate and we go off to university. Um, And I remember the teachers at high school were so adamant about getting our school scores, um, like our exams and our tests and stuff, high so that we could have that pathway to get into university after school. And I remember not being very interested in it. I didn't really want to go to university. Um, I wanted to paint. So when I was in year 11, I started sign writing. Here in Orange, they had a sign writing class at the college. And I met my teacher, who's still a friend now. Her name's Alicia McDonnell. Um, and she was my sign writing teacher at the time. And I was 17 or 18 at the time when I started sign writing. And I fell in love with it. It was painting but it was artistic um, and it was creative and I just I loved it so I started doing sign writing and I did my first year and then I did my second year and once I got to my third year of my apprenticeship uh, it started it wasn't so much painting by painting signs by brush anymore they put me in front of a computer and that was the year that they started turning sign writing into more of a digital platform. So we were doing stickers and vinyls um, and I just fell out of love with it. I didn't want to do it anymore. In, in my mind, sign writing for me was a brush and a paint in my hand. Um, and, yeah, I, um, I, I, I stopped sign writing and I, my, both my parents were chefs, so my mum and my dad were chefs. Um, and I started working with them in restaurants. I was waitressing and I ended up um, moving into restaurant management and event management and things like that. And I just thought, you know, if I can't paint, um, I'll just follow my mum and dad's suit and just work in hospitality. Um, And when I was 23, I met a boy and fell in love. (laughs) As you do. I wanted to go to university at that stage. I thought because I was I was a musician as well, so I sing and I play a little bit of guitar and piano. Um, You're so really talented. <laughs> I can't keep I can't keep up with you, Talia. <laughs> um, I really loved. I always loved music. Music was the same as art for me. It was an expression. Uh, it was a way to express myself. If I couldn't do it through paint, I did it through music or I did it through writing. Um, because as a kid, being a little bit lost. That was the only way I felt I could express myself. Um, and so I loved music. And when I was 22 or 23, maybe music teaching, I thought maybe I could be a music teacher. I did want to go to university and become a teacher. I just didn't know what I wanted to teach. It was going to be either art or music. And so I looked into music teaching at university um, and it was all going to be online. And it just, I'm not a computer person. It just didn't phase me. It didn't interest me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was working with my mum and my dad um, and I met a boy when I was, I think I was 19 or 20 at the time when I met, uh, his name's Brad, and um, I met him and we fell in love. And when I was 23, we decided to try for a baby. I, I was very young and looking back at it now, I thought, oh, my goodness, I was so young when I fell pregnant. But <laughs> at the time I was at the time I was really ready and I really wanted, um, really wanted a baby. So I met Brad and we were together and we had Lexi and 
I was still working in restaurants after I had Lexi. I only, I think I took about 10 months off of work after I had Lexi and I was just the stay at home mum for about 10 months and got a bit bored, needed to get back to work and stimulate myself again. Um, So I started working in hospitality again. When I turned 27, um, Brad and I separated um, and I had a little three-year-old and didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I knew that hospitality wasn't going to provide enough for me and my daughter and the amount of hours and time that I had to put into work when I was working in hospitality, I was missing out on on Lexi. Um, and so I've always wanted to paint and I've always sort of considered house painting as in painting as a trade. Um, but it was complicated with my ex-partner because it's trades are a male-dominated industry. Um, and for people who have some insecurities, that's, that makes them a bit uncomfortable. So I always kind of put that on the back burner. And once Brad and I separated, I just looked at Lexi and I thought, you know what, I'm 28 years old. If I don't do it now, if I don't do my apprenticeship now, because an apprenticeship here in Australia goes for four years. Um, and I thought if I don't do it now while she's young and while I'm semi young, (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm never going to do it. So I quit my job. I hated the job I was in at the time. I was working in a cafe here in Orange and me and my boss just didn't get along. Um, We couldn't see eye to eye. I quit my job with no other job and just I had a little bit of savings in my bank account and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to take the risk and do it. So I sent my boss an email at the restaurant and told him that I was resigning and I literally the next day picked up the phone and started calling painters in Orange to see if anybody was willing to put on an apprentice. Um, at at the time I was 28, so if I was to enter an apprenticeship, I would have been a mature age apprentice, um, right. which means that the employee, the employer, sorry, would have to pay me a little bit more than they would pay a younger apprentice. Um, so there was that risk the risk of, you know, maybe maybe someone won't put, want to put me on because I'm a little bit older than what they usually, the people that they usually put on as an apprentice. Um, also, I'm a female and that's not very common <laughs> here, in the, here where I live to see a female tradie of any, of any type. Um, and so it was a huge risk for me. I was 28 years old, so I would have been a mature age apprentice. I'm a female. I've just quit my job with nothing else to do. Um, and I got... I got really lucky. I um I called around and, si- I got, and, and a single parent as well. And a single parent, yeah, yeah. And not a lot of savings in the bank. I think at the time I had about four or five thousand dollars in my bank account. So it wasn't I wasn't rich. <laughs> um <laughs> so I just picked up the phone and I think I called about five or six painters in Orange and um I ended up getting onto a man here in Orange. Um, and he was super keen. He, um, he said to me, look, I said, look, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I'm going to be a mature age apprentice. And I said to him on the phone, I said, but I can promise you I'm a single mum. Um, I have drive, I have passion, I'm motivated. I have to work because I have a child to support and I will be there every day, um, to do my job. And he put me on. And so I quit my job at the restaurant on the Friday I called around people on the Saturday and the Sunday and I started painting on the Monday after. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. What, what, what a yeah. turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. So that was just, that was a pivotal change in my life to make it, 
it just, um, when I was a kid, I was always so scared of change and so scared that, you know, of the unknown. And um, that was one pinpoint in my life where I'm like, yeah, I made, like I took a risk and it paid off. Um, I quit my job on the Friday, started painting the next Monday because I was determined to do it and it just happened. Wow. So yeah. um, so when when you show, I mean, how do people react when you show up for a job and you know, has there ever been a time when you when you were turned away because you're a woman? I've only experienced it once. Um, I was working with my then boss, the guy, the gentleman that put me on to start with to start my apprenticeship. I was working for him, and I was on a crew of me and about seven or eight men. Um, and we went to a repaint. We had to do a repaint on a Federation home here in Orange. So the owner of the homeowner was quite elderly. Um, he was a gentleman. And I remember him saying to my boss, I walked onto the job site with my toolbox. I was in my paint whites. I had my paint brushes and my toolbox and I was ready to go. And my boss came up to me and he pulled me aside and he said, I have to put you on another job. Um, do you want to come with me and jump in the in the car and I'll take you to another job? And I was confused. I, I didn't know why. Because that was the only really? job that we had. Yeah, that was the only job that we had going at the time. So he took me to another job. It was a new construction job that we were about to start. And in the car on the car ride, I said to him, why did I have to leave the job? And he said to me that the homeowner complained that I was on the job because he wanted, he said to my boss that he wanted the job done properly. Oh, and, so, in other, so in other words, because you're a woman, he didn't feel confident that you, think- you, you could do the job. He didn't think I had the skills to be able to do the job properly. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Well, uh, mixed emotions. Being an apprentice and being very new to the trade, I knew that I was learning and that he was probably right. You know, I I was new to the trade. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was being taught my job on the job. Um but it was a bit of a kick in the in the stomach because the reason that he didn't want me there was because I because of my gender I was a female tradesperson um so had he have said look I don't want any apprentices on my job I want fully qualified tradies it would have been different than being sent off a job because of being a woman very very different I mean do do you think that um do you you think that if if he had the opportunity to see how talented you 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 are do you think that that would have changed his views or do you think he was just one of those uh people that just didn't want a woman to to do that type of job i really it's hard to tell because i didn't get to know him long enough to I, i met him and i shook his hand and i introduced myself um but he seemed like he was in his late 70s early 80s and he seemed like a very traditional you know, the man goes to work and the woman stays at home uh, sort of gentleman, kind of set in his ways. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he meant to be offensive. I think it's just it's just so uncommon now in I think at the time when I started my apprenticeship it was 2018. So at the time there was so much change. There are so many more women coming into the trades industry and it's just it's different to what men that age would have seen when they were my age. If yes. that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, of so, course. So back, and, in the 50s and, back in the 50s and the 60s, you would never have seen a woman on a trade site or on a job oh, no. site. No. No. Um, 
No, um, I think it was very rare to see a woman wear trousers <laughs> back in those times. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so yes. I think I, that's what I mean by I don't think he would have been deliberately offensive. It's just he thought that because I was a woman, I just couldn't do the job because in his time, women didn't do that kind of job. Yes, it wasn't the norm. In his mind, it wasn't the norm. But but yeah, um, isn't it? Isn't yes? But isn't it wonderful how um, times have moved on now, and more and more, more and more uh, men are actually actually crying out for more women to 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 do jobs for them or to uh, join their companies. Isn't that marvelous? Absolutely, and it's a change that's real. I'm really starting to see a lot of it. Um, yes, I yes, know I a lot of trade women. I know a lot of tradeswomen um, in Australia and all over the world, actually, and it's something that's really exciting to see that men are are starting to become so accepting of the fact that you know maybe this isn't just a man's world. You know what? Perhaps, kind of yeah, and also perhaps perhaps men just didn't perhaps they just didn't know that one whether women wanted to do those types of trades and two whether they could do it perhaps they it's just lack of understanding you know absolutely absolutely perhaps, perhaps, it, wasn't, perhaps when... it wasn't perhaps it wasn't always oh no you're a woman you belong in the kitchen or something or in the kitchen and in the kitchen in the bedroom or something you know in exactly. you know in, in, in some cases in some countries and religions some women just belong in the kitchen and the bedroom, unfortunately, which is a which, in my opinion, is 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 a is a form of abuse and slavery. But perhaps perhaps it wasn't always just oh because you're a woman. Perhaps it was just lack of education, and perhaps they thought oh we didn't think that a woman would want to put on overalls and pick up a brush. You know, perhaps it was just that. Exactly right. I remember when I first um, when I first quit my job at the restaurant and I called my stepdad. I've got a stepdad, um, and I called my stepdad and I said, "I'm go- I'm going to do it, Dad. I'm going to get into the trade. I'm going to paint." I've what did he been- say? <laughs> he, he laughed at me. He said, "Talia," <laughs> he said, "You're not going to last two weeks, honey. You're going to have to shower every afternoon because you're going to be covered in paint. You're going to have paint in your hair. You're not going to like it. It's a dirty job. You won't last." Three years on, he's calling me con- to congratulate me for the awards that I've won and, and my articles in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> you proved them wrong. <laughs> I certainly did. So, um, so are you? So, uh, tell us a bit more about your business. So, so you're you're are you you're totally self-employed, right? No, I'm not self-employed. So I'm in the um I'm in my third year of my apprenticeship. I work for a painter here in Orange. I do do my own work. Um yeah. because I've got those sign writing skills from years ago. I still do a little bit of sign writing here and there. Um I do run my own business on the side, but it's not predominantly what I do. I work for a painter here in Orange. His name's Simon. And oh, um right. he took he took me on uh, last year so I've been with him for just over 12 months now I work for him and and he's fantastic he really is I'm so blessed wonderful. to have such a good employer wonderful so when does your apprenticeship when 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 does that end um if my boss is going to be listening to this he's going to laugh <laughs> I, uh, I'm, in, I'm in my third year of my apprenticeship now um so I finished my studies this year the apprenticeship goes for four years, but I'm pretty sure, and he's he's totally going to laugh at this, but I'm pretty sure that um, we're going to be signing me off early. Um, 
So it, it should have been four years, but I think I'm going to finish off in the next few months. Fantastic. So you also yeah. you also started up an Instagram page called Ladies of Paint. <laughs> what, I did. What, I certainly what, did. Yes. And what, what was the inspiration behind that? Um, well, when I first started my Instagram, the reason I started my personal Instagram, Tiles the Painter, was because in my area, I just, I could never find somebody or anybody, even in the trades, who had a passion for what they do. Um, you know, most painters in my area, it's just a job. You know, they finish school and they find something that they can do for the rest of their lives. I went into this job because I love it. I love my job. I love paint. Um, and so when I first started my Tiles the Painter Instagram, the reason behind that was because I wanted to meet like-minded people who had a passion for what they do. And I've found that. I've found thousands of people. I've made some really amazing friends on Instagram. It's such it's such an amazing platform. Um, the reason I started Ladies of Paint was because I wanted to connect women um, who also have that passion and to showcase them. You know, I, I remember I was talking to a workwear company here a few months ago. They do workwear for women, but they don't do whites. They don't do paint clothes. And um, I spoke to them about it and I asked them why. And they said, well, we don't think that there's a big enough market for it. And I showed them the ladies of paint Instagram and I said, well, here's, you know, 1200 female painters. <laughs> <laughs> just um, it's just I, I just wanted to create a space where women I could showcase these women I could showcase their talent um, their businesses their names what they do even their art I've got people I've got women on there who are artists and um, automotive spray painters anybody who's got that love for paint is why I started that page um, just to showcase them and to show what they do Thank you. That, that, and that's so, very... they, so they've got a so so they've got a space to connect. They can meet and connect with other women that you know feel the same way. It's very inspirational. Yeah, fantastic. It's been very well received. So, apart from everything else that we've we've talked about, you know, in life, um, in general, um, you know, what are your present struggles? Is there anything that you're struggling with at the moment? Um, I think the biggest struggle at the moment are COVID lockdowns. Um, it hasn't really affected work for me. Uh, I've still, if anything, it's kind of ramped my work up. You know, a lot of people are sitting at home looking at their houses thinking, oh, you know, I should probably get that painted. Um, <laughs> so it's really, it's really ramped up my work. I haven't had a day off work um, since the pandemic started, but the lockdown pressures are pretty are pretty rough. It's starting to take a pretty bad physical toll on me um, and mental toll on me, um, and not just me, but friends of mine as well and family. Uh, that's that's probably the biggest that's probably the biggest struggle that that I'm facing personally at the moment is the is the lockdown laws that we've got going on at the moment. Okay, so I'm I'm a big, huge fan of mental health and well being. Um, so, so how 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 do you sort of stay sane through it all? I connect with people. I'm very, I'm very grateful that I have the platform that I have, and I think all of us in general are very grateful. Uh, should be very grateful that this pandemic has happened when it is when it has. Can you imagine if this would have happened in the early nineties? Hmm. When we had no 
when we had no Facebook and, and we had no Instagram, we had no way, like FaceTime, we had no way of connecting with people face-to-face. Or Zoom. Um, <laughs> or Zoom. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly right. There would have been apprentices in the early 90s. Um, I know for me personally, with these lockdown laws, my um, my college has gone into lockdown, which means I have to do all my classes on Zoom. Um, that wouldn't have happened in the early 90s. So I think in a way we're kind of, if this was going to happen, we should be grateful that it's happened when it has. Um, but, yeah, I, that's, the way, that's the way I deal with it. I stay connected with people. I FaceTime my parents. Um, I constantly speak to them on the phone. I've also got people all around the world who I write to and send packages and letters. And I got a letter actually from a really good friend of mine, a painter, um, only last week. He lives in New York. And um, getting that letter and reading it was, it, it helped mentally. I broke down into tears, but they were happy tears. It's just, you know, I'm still, even though times are pretty struggling and pretty difficult at the moment, you know, there are still people out there who care and um, want to see you succeed. Of course. And and and, co- and COVID uh, for me has been quite positive. Um, so many people have started new businesses. Um, they've tapped into um you know, um, hidden talents that they didn't know they had. Um, I've, I've just heard lots and lots of um, success stories. So Absolutely. It's, it's like 50-50. It's been bad, really bad for some. And then for others, it's been quite um, like an awakening process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one, a couple of really positive things we can take out of this experience is that it, it just shows that, the world is huge, but it's very much connected. Mm. Um, and it's given me it's given me a lot more time with my daughter. Um, at the moment, my daughter is not going to school. I'm homeschooling her. Obviously, I is still have to go. Is that by choice? Is that by choice? That is by choice. Um, I've decided to keep her home only because the school is still open, but there's about two or three children in her class. So she's not getting a lot of that interaction. Um, and so I've decided to keep her home. Um, but she's getting a lot more time with my with my mum. So when I'm at work, she's with my mum and my mum homeschools her. And um, when I, I finish work at three o'clock in the afternoon and I pick her up and I have that whole afternoon and night with her and it's it's really brought me closer to my daughter. Right. So, so what do you believe in? Because you, you mentioned you're quite bohemian and... For me, you come across as quite spiritual as well. You're you're very much in tune with yourself. Um, yeah. So, so what, what what do you what do you believe in? Um, I'm a very I'm a very spiritual person. I don't I'm not religious. Um, I was bap- baptized as Anglican, but I don't see myself as religious. I don't really believe in. I believe in nature and vibrations and energies and the universe and I really I'm very I see myself as very very in tune with that um I pick up I pick up vibes and I pick up energies and I've always got gut feelings about things and nine times out of ten I'm right about them so yeah I'm very I'm very spiritual so how do you going back to energy and vibration because I'm I'm very spiritual myself um and uh, some call, some would call someone like me and even yourself an empath or 
an empath you know because you know as you said you pick up on vibes and things like that how do you when you pick up on a bad vibe how do you how do you change change that vibration because when it comes to spirituality and energy it, everything really is just energy you've got negative and you've got positive um so how do you go about changing that vibration when you come across something that's, that makes you feel really bad um, it's very, it's very hard for me, Janet, because like you said, I, I am an empath. Um, I see myself as an empath and I pick up on other people's, I pick up on other people's vibes. And if, if someone, if I'm with someone who's a bit down, I pick up on that as well. I pick up on other people's emotions as well. Um, it's very, it's very hard for me to pull myself away from that. Um, because obviously as an empath, I'm drawn to that. Um, it's a gut feeling really. I need to mentally be aware of what's happening. Um, if I'm headed down a path that's negative or something's going wrong or something's bad or something feels a bit off, I have to be very aware and, and, and switch it and change it into something positive or walk away from bad energies. And it takes a lot of strength to be able to do that. It does. And when I when I first started out on my path, I thought that – or I was made to feel that being an empath was a was was a really bad thing, but then as I moved along years later, I realised that being an empath is that it makes us one of the most powerful human beings to be on this earth because we're able to feel what people are going through. We can we feel their pain, we can absorb it, take it in, feel it. And then we can do whatever we want with it. We can either hold on to it and carry it for the rest of our life, which is not good because it makes us feel like it makes Absolutely. it. Yeah, it makes it feels like like it's our pain that we're carrying when in fact we're carrying our next door neighbor's pain. Um, exactly. Or we can. Or the most powerful thing that empaths can do in their superpower <laughs> is that we can absorb someone's feeling. We can observe it, dissect it, but we can also transform it heal it and send it back out and, Absolutely. and that and that's what i've learned so be it for those list for, for the listeners that have never heard of this term before look it look it up you may find that you are yourself an empath <laughs> and you may be you may be walking around thinking oh, why do i feel this way and thinking that it's yours but it's not it's actually somebody's energy that you absorbed five weeks ago and you're still carrying it a big thing for me, a big thing for me as an empath, and I've I looked into this a lot when I was um when I was growing up because I was a bit different. I was the creative type, and all my friends in school they were you know into boys and sports and music, and um I was into things like art and nature, and I was always a bit different. So I did look up a, a few psychological things and trying to figure out exactly who I am, and I realised that I was an empath when I realised that. I always felt different with the change of seasons um, in autumn and winter when things are starting to die off and when it gets cold and it gets, it starts to get dark. That's when it really hits me that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling sad. Um, but then when springtime and summer comes around, I get this new energy and it's mm. like springtime right now. I feel so positive at the moment with everything that's going on in the world right now. I feel really positive and really energetic because it's springtime it's a rebirth of the earth and 
yeah, that's that's where I really realized that I actually am an empath. I can pick up on vibrations and energies from the universe. Mm. If you if if you really look into it, when you know how on movies um, there's a sad scene and it starts to rain. Yes. Yeah, they do. They do that because it's a sensory. It's a sensory thing. It it makes it makes the atmosphere or the environment sadder. Right. So. <clears throat> seasons yes, and are it, good. yes, and 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 would you say you're you're connected to the moon, the the cycles of the moon, the moon energy? I, I am very much so. I love the new moon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big um I'm an Aquarius as well, so I'm big into my zodiac and the zodiac signs. I really believe that traits really resonate in people when it comes to their star signs. Yes. Do you do you know do you sort of do uh do you sort of protect yourself as well? Because as an empath, when we're going to work or we're going to an event where we're around um crowd like for me when I'm around crowds, I get exhausted very, very, very quickly. Even if I go to uh, the supermarket to buy my groceries I have to sort of protect myself or put my headphones in because I'm just picking up on everybody's vibration and it's very exhausting do you sort of have a a, a ritual do you meditate do you do you, do you protect yourself I absolutely do meditation is my daily routine I um I wake up at 5 a.m every day I don't start work until seven but I wake up at 5 a.m every day and I make oh my coffee gosh you sound like me I'm always up at five <laughs> Like they call it witching hour. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> up at five. <laughs> I think they call it a witching hour for a reason. Um, but I'm always up at 5 a.m. and I have a coffee and I have my breakfast and I pack my daughter's school bag or, you know, just her bag when she's going to my mum's for um, while I'm at work. And I sit for about 20 minutes, half an hour, and I meditate every morning. Every morning. Excellent. Fantastic. So I was I was going to say tell us something surprising about yourself, but you already have. Um <laughs> in, in in many, many ways. And I was just wondering if you could talk talk about um skateboarding. Oh skateboarding. <laughs> um I'm not a very good skateboarder. I um I only started a couple of years ago. I, I I met a guy and um he was a bit of a skateboarder and he started teaching me a little bit of how to do it because he was he he was living with me for a while at the time and um he'd go skating and he'd take my daughter skating and I was sitting back and I'm like oh, that looks like a lot of fun I want to be a part of that um and so I asked him if he could teach me how to skate and I I can't do tricks or anything I don't. <laughs> I don't do skate park or anything like ollies and, and running down ramps and things like that. I don't do any of that. Um, but I've got a cruiser board and I love going to, there's a park here in Orange called Gosling Creek and it's got a huge concrete path that goes down a hill. And um, I think I've got a post on my Instagram somewhere of me cruising down that path with um, Fleetwood Mac playing in the background. I just love cruising on my skateboard. Um, don't Like I said, don't do tricks or anything, but I do like to cruise around. <laughs> And you also like to paint them too, don't you? I really do. Yes, I've um, done a few skateboards in my time. Yep. <laughs> oh, wonderful! So, and and finally, and finally, I mean, I don't want this show to end, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm <having> a ball. <laughs> um, and finally, if there is there anything you'd like to say to? Every woman that uses a brush as their tool as a form of encouragement in these challenging times. Uh, 
just keep rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Clever. (laughs) Get that that paint roller and just keep rolling. Um, Nice. just don't stop. Any encouragement that I like to give the women that come to me, even if they're thinking about maybe starting into a paint trade, if you've got your mind set on it, if it's a passion of yours and if it's something that you truly love, then how's the old saying go? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, just don't give up until you, until you do it. And once you do it, just keep doing it. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing your story and I'm wishing you all the best. Thank you so much, Janet. You too. Take care of yourself, Talia. Thank you for listening to the Women in Trade, the Hats Are Off podcast. I'm your host, Janet Curdy, founder of Women in Trade magazine, which is the UK's only publication focusing on women's trades. If you would like to be a guest on our show, email events at womenintrade.co.uk. Coming up next, a short relaxation meditation guaranteed to help you start your day in a positive way. Here we go. Take a deep breath and out. And in and out. Repeat after me. My customers love me. I create great things. Everything I do is amazing. I get repeat business easily. I love what I do. I am happy. I am calm. I am fearless. I am loved and liked. I am free to go to work with joy. Take a deep breath in and out. There is always a solution. Don't live in fear. See you next time.